Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the special Baroness's birthday edition of The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game. I am Kevin Day, he is Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire, he is also hoping the Baroness will think this is a lovely surprise rather than the equivalent of a bunch of flowers bought at a service station at five to midnight. <laughs> yes, the, uh, my, my wonderful wife, uh, she turns 60 tomorrow. Don't say that, Kieran. Today. <laughs> just say it's her birthday. That's... <laughs> which, means, which means she gets a rail card, which, which I'm, I'm very jealous of, of course, because I'm a dweeb. Um, but yeah, it, we, we've, we've had lots of, of nice messages because I've, I've sort of uh, reached out to a few people I know. Uh, she's been very patient with me this year as I've I've not had a single day not working uh, due to uh, football finance nonsense. Mm. Uh, so yeah, quite a few people who we've met over the course of football through politics and the game itself have been in contact. I've, I've said, any chance of a message? Um, I, I was very, very surprised to get one from Wayne Rooney saying, what's she doing Friday night? <laughs> Well, the the thing with the Baroness is she's going to have trouble with that free rail card because she's going to be constantly stopped by a railway employee saying, you're 20 years too young for this, <laughs> which is the sort of thing you should be saying, Kieran, rather than revealing the true age. You've got you've got some proper presence. You didn't just give her a free amortisation class or a, a silky spreadsheet. <laughs> a silky spreadsheet, did you? Yeah, yeah I've, I've got one or two things lined up for her. Okay, good. It's, it's Newsday, Kieran, and the first story is actually something of a birthday present to you because you have been mivering on about this since we first met and it involves Manchester United. Yes, uh, and first of all, I'd like to say uh, well done, Manchester United. What they have done is they have uh, committed to paying all of their staff the real living wage in Manchester. Now, we're talking 58 pence an hour, which might seem not a lot to, to some people, but... It, it does make the difference to, to others. Um, I've been going on about it for, for some time. Can I just stop you there? Because for people who don't know the actual figures, we're, we're not talking about 58 pence an hour. We're talking about an extra 58 pence above the real living wage here, aren't we? So, Well, yeah. It, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's an extra 58 pence above the, the, the government figure. Yes. So, um, United, uh, every, every time they pay a dividend of... Nine million pounds to the debt glazers. I, I get a bit worked up to say, well, why can't you look after the the, the staff who are you know customer facing, who, who are who are dealing with people who are having a good day or a bad day at Old Trafford, and and do it with 
with patience and charm in my experience. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, we, we got a message last night to say that they have done that. And uh, whoever's made that decision, well done, you, you've done the right thing. Yeah. And also, we're talking about a lot of staff here on the match. We're talking about over a thousand people, um, casual and permanent, on match day in and around Old Trafford who are going to benefit from this payment, aren't we? Yeah, yes, yeah, but I mean, we, we, we crunch the numbers and, you know, I think the total cost over the whole of the season, um, I've worked out as being around, around about £150,000. Um, so, you know, Manchester United have a wage bill which is of in the hundreds of millions. Um, so 150000 uh, I think they've done... They've, they've done the right thing, and I think it also puts pressure on other clubs to yep. to follow suit as well. Yeah, because it's it's shameful that there is, and it, this should be said on behalf of Manchester United that there are still other clubs out there who are refusing to pay uh, the real living wage. So well done, Man United, and and like we say, come on, the rest of the people. Uh, we've spoken a lot about Man United on the pod recently, and we we are hoping to speak to someone from the club about yesterday's announcement and various other things and they seem quite amenable so hopefully in the next couple of weeks we'll be having a proper Man United chat with somebody from uh, Old Trafford um, a Spanish giant now Kieran and this definitely beggars belief because Barcelona have announced that they are 1.35 billion euros in debt which is 1.15 billion pound depending whether you exchange your money at the post office or the airport basically. <laughs> I mean, these are just... Th- and and they, they, I'm not entirely sure what a negative net worth is, but they announced a negative net worth of 451 million euros. This is Barcelona we're talking about here. Yes. Um, we, we knew that Barcelona had financial challenges, and that was connected to uh, Lionel Messi leaving the club, the fact that um, other members of senior players are being uh, encouraged stroke shamed into taking pay cuts uh, to to enable them to uh, actually put some of their summer signings uh, into the squad. They can't do it at present because their their wage bill is now going to be around about £140 million this year, which will put them, to give it some context uh, in terms of the the Premier League, uh, it will put them in between Palace and Leicester. And that's no disrespect to either of those two clubs, mm. but you know, we're talking Barcelona. Um, mm. And uh, they, they, they used to have a wage bill which was close to, to 500 to 600 million. So it, they have to take a massive cut in their wages simply because they've run the club appallingly. So the, the, the new president uh, is, of course, blaming his predecessor for yeah. getting them into this pickle. But that debt figure that you quoted of 1.3 billion euros um, is far higher than anybody anticipated. And I think the, I think the negative net worth, I, I think that's broadly talking about the losses they probably made last season, which again, uh, you know, we're, talk, we're talking a football club at the end of the day, mm. uh, you know, to be losing €8 million Euros a week, if, if that is the case, is, is quite scandalous. Mm. As you say, the current president, Juan Laporta, is blaming his predecessor for this. He's saying that under his predecessor, the wage bill was 103% of income, and if they'd kept Lionel Messi, it would have been 110% of income, which he said was uh, just inconceivable. Um is it entirely due to stuff that's happened on the previous watch? Um, I, I think it's, it's a byproduct of the presidential system. 
how do you get people to vote for you to be president? You mm. tell them things that they want to hear. So we have had a succession of presidents uh, at Barcelona who say, vote for me and I will sign some players for 100 million euro. Um, so that they, yeah, they've signed uh, Coutinho, Griezmann, uh, Dembele, each for, for more than 100 million euro. All of those have failed. They, they've, they signed Pjanic, who uh, for a ridiculous fee, although that to me stunk of creative accounting. And mm. for those of you getting slightly twitchy about that, creative accounting is where you stay within the rules, but, you, but they're not you're not really applying the principles. Mm. So it, it, it was, uh, um, they've had some very strange decisions and they've also recruited players on wages which are unsustainable. Now, now part of that could be linked to Messi because Messi's salary was so high, it effectively set a benchmark. And whilst nobody expected to have anything the same as Lionel Messi, they still might, you know, if, if Messi's on 50 million a year, well, then surely I'm worth at least half of what he's paid. And, mm. and that became the going rate. Um, and, and on the back of that, the, the wages increased and increased. You, you can't extract yourself out of uh, long-term contract commitments unless both parties agree. We did actually see last year, you know, and Messi himself was was very vocal on this, that the players were willing to, to compromise on their pay demands. Um, because they didn't want other people at the club to lose their jobs. So mm. um, I think to blame it on Messi, uh, as, as some people have tried to do, is it, harsh. Um, it, it is simply rank bad management mm. and COVID as well. Yeah, we, we can't deny that, that COVID's uh, uh, a non-factor here. Gerard Piquet was one of those players who apparently, and I quote, willingly took a pay cut to comply with salary cap rules so that other players could be signed in this summer. But Laporte, Laporta also revealed that the first thing he had to do when he took over was get an 80 million pound, 80 euro loan, 80 million euro loan, I beg your pardon, to pay salaries. Now, I'm guessing if you if you had to get an 80 million euro loan to pay salaries in one month, aren't you going to have to keep doing that in months to follow? Um, yeah, un un unless they were, unless they'd maxed out their overdraft or gone over their overdraft. Um, yeah, it, it's uh, yeah. Payday loans are, a, are always a short-term fix, and they're never a good fix if if you're in the, the situation where you have to apply for them. So it is alarming. It looks as if they have also now um, got into an arrangement with Goldman Sachs for some longer-term loans to try to see them over the course of the next twelve to eighteen months. Um, it, it's it's, it's going to be a rocky road, but. Um, at the same time, I think, well, hold on, you know, Leicester City managed to win the Premier League on that level of wage. So, you know, there's no reason why Barcelona cannot be competitive and they will still have a wage bill which is uh, high by La Liga standards. So, uh, you know, let, let's not get out the violins for them. That they, they got themselves into this mess by by spending money which they, they knew wasn't going to materialise. I'm... I'm almost quite pleased to think of President Juan Laporta, who I imagine lives in several lovely houses, hearing his phone go off at seven o'clock in the morning, thinking, oh, no, that's the bank, isn't it? Just, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what the, what the Catalan is for. You've got till two o'clock to pay in a sufficient amount to fix your overdraft. But it's nice to know it's happening all over the world. Um, 
much closer to home, but it's still a story that's getting quite scary for Birmingham City fans. The The Birmingham Stadium fiasco is rumbling on and terrifyingly, Kieran, that rumble may actually be bits falling off the stands. As each day goes by, there's a new detail about this story that gets even more worrying, isn't it? Yes. Um, Birmingham City's, uh, and I'm going to call it St Andrews rather than the yes. Trillion Trophy Stadium because that's what it's not. Um, uh, St Andrews is, uh, as an away fan, uh, and yeah, let's be honest, as an away fan that, that was in the championship only a few years ago, Birmingham was always a good day out. Yeah, uh, and, and it's a proper old school stadium, but it wasn't in the best of Nick, and uh, it, it does appear that uh, it's been deteriorating on a continual basis to such an extent that repairs were required. Now, I think the club will try to use COVID to help themselves here to say, well, we couldn't get the work done because of COVID. But at the same time, uh, you know, we have just had a, a good few months on the back of COVID where you know people working in construction can do things. But when it came to the start of the season, um, St Andrews was in such a state of uh, disrepair that they effectively couldn't get the equivalent of a safety certificate for some of the areas. Mm. And therefore, fans were unable to attend. As a result of this, there was... A problem. And that problem was that they'd already sold quite a few season tickets and the capacity for the ground was below the number of season tickets sold. Is Finley okay? Is that him singing happy birthday in dog? It, it, it's some flowers arriving for the Baroness. Oh, has he got hay fever? Why does he not like flowers? <laughs> I, I think he's more concerned with the guy delivering them. Ah, oh, okay. Who doesn't appear to be carrying any wonky chumps as well. So Finley feels he's being disadvantaged here. Yeah, quite right. So, yeah. Yeah, so we're saying, so some Birmingham fans, two two stands were, were closed off, which meant there was a ballot and some Birmingham fans with season tickets couldn't get in on the, the last home game. That, that's right. So, yeah. and you can understand the the frustration of the Birmingham fans. They've waited 18 months. They They have tried to support their club financially if, if they've had the resources to do so and now as a result of this ballot you've got some Birmingham fans who will be able to go to the match but you know as one fan said to me I've been going for 38 years I was looking forward to going with my old man you know yeah, because yeah. you know we know football is is has got that still that unique dad and lad experience for many mm. of us who grew up through the game and now, if we do both get tickets, they could be for different parts of the ground. Mm. It's, it's just sheer sheer lunacy. Mm. Um, so I, I don't think it reflects particularly well on the club here. Um, and, it, and it shows either a lack of planning or they've not put enough money into getting the, the ground into a better state of repair early enough. We, we, they've known when the season's been starting for long enough. Yeah, also, in the past three to six months, we've had a lot of questions from Birmingham fans about who's responsible for repairs because they're renting the, the, the stadium. Uh, and the, the council have revealed that City have what they call a full repair lease. So the club are actually responsible for repairs. And again, you'd imagine they would have known about this for some time. You kind of implies that they haven't got the financial resources to deal with it. But also the CEO, which I thought was a really crass thing to say, telling fans that not to worry, they know all about it, but they, they're they going to leave it because they may be building a new stadium, which 
you, you don't have to be Sherlock Holmes to see through that sort of nonsense, really. They they seem to be adrift here, don't they? The, the club. Yes, yeah, uh, and uh, you know we we both know in relation to either getting a new ground or extending our existing ground that that saying it's one thing, doing it it turns out to be a good few years later. So uh, I, I think that's that's fairly depressing. Uh, you know, Birmingham have been losing money on a regular basis in recent years. Uh, you know, the sale sale of Jude Bellingham, where what's happened to the money there? Has that just gone into a, a giant pot to cover losses which have been made in other years? Or, or, or what exactly is going on? Um, yeah, there, there have been issues with the club on an ongoing basis for far too long. And the owners who are effectively controlling the club from overseas um, don't appear to have any understanding or empathy with what the Birmingham City fan base are going through. Mm. You amaze me, Kieran. Um, Scotland now, uh, a potential conflict of interest here, Kieran, is Gordon Strachan uh, has rejoined Celtic in a consultancy role while still working as a technical director at Dundee. How can he do that? Well, on the face of it, I think it looks really uh, uncomfortable. I mean, the, the only issue is going to be when they real, realistically when those two clubs face each other, mm. um, and you and you can only assume that that Gordon Strachan has to give a commitment, presumably to Dundee, that he will not talk to Celtic with regards to Dundee's formation, tactical, technical issues. But if he's also working for Celtic as a consultant, surely he's got a commitment to them as well. So that so that does seem to be a little bit strange. At the same time, you know, I, I know, you know firms of accountants that are working for, for more than one club uh, and, and therefore they have access to information which could be commercially sensitive. So um, one only can assume that Gordon Strachan has, has signed a contract which has effectively given him some form of non-disclosure commitments because otherwise it, it looks awkward, to put it mildly. In, in terms of league rules, and I'm not entirely sure what they are, but if this consultancy role with Celtic was unpaid, would that make any difference? Um, n- not necessarily. And, until we, unless we knew the terms and conditions of each contract, you know, one could be you know, if, if he's helping Celtic on the commercial side and he's helping Dundee on the uh, training side, then you can say, well, you know, they're not coming into contact with each other, and therefore, you know, in theory, he, he wouldn't be accessing information which is uh, of benefit from one club to another. You know, and also, I, I think we have to be realistic. You know, we know that footballs a small industry we know that people in football do talk to each other um and yeah we know that that you've got you've got scouts and you've got managers attending matches of forthcoming opponents so how much would seriously be be given away from one club to the other um i'm i'm not convinced it's going to be a major game changer i just think it looks a bit awkward yeah producer guy said to me, well, you worked with him. Why don't you text him and find out? Because you're always saying how clever and funny he is, which is true. But I obviously forgot to mention how cross he can get sometimes. So <laughs> <laughs> the last thing I'm going to do is text Gordon Strachan and say, is Kevin here? 
been a while. What's what's going on? <clears throat> even even the text would sound high pitched. Um, <laughs> I've I've never met anybody uh, watching football with Gordon Strachan is just astonishing. Anybody who thinks they know football needs to sit next to Gordon Strachan watching the games. It's just amazing. He's his level of knowledge. And he was also one of the funniest people I've ever met. Still not texting him. Uh, <laughs> UEFA, uh, Kieran and FIFA have banned away fans at next month's international matches in Europe because of a COVID spike. Like, oh, well, as long as the grounds were full for the Euros, eh, lads? But um, is this going to cost money? Oh, well, obviously it's going to cost money. How much? It is going to cost money, but the majority of the money is probably coming through um, broadcast rights. And I think... FIFA and UEFA are quite twitchy about if they upset too many governments on a uh, on a domestic level that football could become sort of the whipping guys. But yeah, we, we've seen football return here in the UK over the course of the past two weeks, and, and there's been no there's been no spikes to date that we're aware of uh, as, as a consequence of that. Um, yeah, we do have full capacity stands. Um, it just seems to be a, a disconnect between what's happening here in the UK and some countries and, and the decisions which are being made by UEFA and FIFA. Mm. Uh, that knocking sound was me touching wood, not the cat trying to get in. She's, <laughs> she's, nowhere, near, she's nowhere near as clever as Findlay. Um, speaking of COVID, Accrington Stanley have been given a £7,000 COVID fine and it's fair to say that owner Andy Holt is not best pleased. Um, I'm quoting here. Um, they are a joke shop, the EFL. They can shove it, the EFL. It cost £500,000 to keep this shit on the road while they were working from home. Not entirely sure what the last one means. But he's, he's obviously not happy about this. And also, it, interestingly, the way it's been reported, it just says, in general, £7,000 COVID fine. There's no real detail as to what Accrington are being fined for here. Hi, I'm Steve Lamack, and every week I'm joined by Music Allies Head of Insights, Stuart Dredge, on The Price of Music, the weekly podcast all about the money behind the music industry. In each episode, we discuss the very latest goings-on in the music business and dig into the finances behind the big stories. So whether you're a music lover who just wants to know more about what really goes on in the industry, or you're an aspiring musician, manager or label owner who wants some inside knowledge on how Spotify's financial model really works, or what the future holds for independent live music venues, this is a show for you. Subscribe to The Price of Music in your podcast app now. See you soon. Yeah, I, th- I think it was due to um, some matches being postponed. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I can understand it from Andy Holt's perspective. Yeah, we, we've had him on the show. We're huge fans of Andy. Um, he he is a person, you know, I, I've spoken to Andy on quite a few occasions uh, mm. o- over the years. Um, he is a man of principle. Um, he's also... Uh, a man of Accrington in the sense that he feels that, you know, he, he runs his, his own business. He's very committed to the welfare of his staff. And presumably he's taken the same approach when it comes to Accrington Stanley. He doesn't want matches taking place when there is uh, an increased risk of uh, COVID spreading. And therefore he's made a decision from a health and safety uh, perspective. Um, and I, I, I would fully understand that because 
it, let's face it, if it was you or I, and we, we were forced to play a match uh, in the EFL because, um, you know, they, they want the fixture list uh, completed in a certain pe- time period, although they were quite happy to abandon football and get clubs promoted or relegated on a, on a three-quarters season only 18 months ago. Um, but if, uh, if there's pressure to, for matches to, to take place from the EFL, um, should that take precedence over his responsibilities as an employer in respect of his staff? Well, yeah, what, what happens if one of his staff gets COVID and dies? Yeah, mm. how, 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 would, how, would, how would you or I feel under those circumstances? The idea of the integrity of the competition taking precedence over that, well, that's, that's absolute nonsense. You know, people are important. Um, I, I think we are become very blasé with regards to COVID. But yet people are still dying. People, of course, still dying from other other diseases as well. There's no, there's no denying that. But it's it's a global pandemic, and uh, clubs are losing money. And to increase those losses through finding a club which has postponed matches to to prevent uh, COVID uh, spreading seems harsh. And and it. To me, the EFL here are coming across as as rule based robots. You know, mm. it's 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 the classic computer says yes, computer computer says no approach to dealing with the matter. The rules were not designed with a global pandemic in mind, mm. and therefore, there's a case for saying, under these circumstances, we're going to say we'd rather you not do it again, or or just a a gentle bit of finger wagging. But to financially punish a club who's already, as he said, it's cost him half a million quid mm. uh, as, as a result of, of the pandemic just seems tinier. Yeah, it's, mm. it's just mm. out of proportion to what's happened. Mm. Um, just down the road, the potential hostile takeover of Rochdale AFC is actually getting hostile with the new group uh, who want to buy the club claiming that the club will go bust if they're not allowed to do that. Yes, uh, yeah. There's a lot of mudslinging taking place at present. It looks as if the prospective owners um, have around about forty to forty-two percent of Rochdale shares. And Rochdale's a really interesting football club. I mean, you know, I'm I'm from well, I've lived in 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 Manchester for for the majority of my life, and I'm fully aware of the history of Rochdale as the birthplace of the cooperative yeah. and it has that it still has that mentality it still has that pride in itself so the shares in rochdale were actually shared between many many thousands of people which meant that in order to acquire control you had to go to individual shareholders to buy those shares now some of them sold out because they didn't feel the need for the shares anymore they were offered a decent price and so on um, the view of the the Rochdale Supporters Trust is that they were quite happily being Rochdale. Yeah, they mm. they like the fact that they've never been under the control of one person. And some of the the comments which have been coming from the prospective owners that they quite like the idea of having a place to call their own to go and watch football and have a pint on a Saturday afternoon. That that just doesn't ring true you know why why would somebody who lives 150 miles away drive up to a football club with with a view to just using that as a, an excuse to to watch football? we have why don't you just go if, if, you, if you want to go and 
see the action, you know, either go to a match or, or hire a box in an individual mm-hmm. club, and you can have just as much much just as much fun. And it's not costing you thousand pounds a week covering the losses. Mm-hmm. So, so Lo- Rochdale, are they losing money? Yes, they are. Are they losing enough money to make them go bust? I think that's tenuous at best. Uh, the vast majority of the clubs in the lower leagues are losing money. They are coming up with a variety of ways of addressing that. So uh, we have a position where I think it's now fair to say there are one or two people who are effective kingmakers, who own significant shares in Rochdale. Yeah, we're talking you know, three, four, five percent each. And if, uh, if, if a couple of those switch, and I know that there's one in particular who could tip the balance, then Rochdale could have new people in control of the club. Um, but you know, the response of the Rochdale fans, and, and I saw some of the banners um, you know, up for Dale, not for sale, would indicate that even if there is new ownership, it doesn't necessarily mean that the whole battle is over and things could turn ugly. You know, I, I can see the Rochdale fans either boycotting matches or protesting in a variety of ways. Um, I know that they've been in contact with our friends at Swindon who yeah, yeah. had owners with, with, their, with whom there was a bad relationship. Yeah, sorry, Kate. Are you okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. yeah I thought I'd stop, I thought I'd stop talking there. Yeah, it's, it, normally I'm very good at gauging when you've stopped talking, but you just every now and again you've, you've, you're very excitable today. So, have you been out? I have. I've, I've been to. Um, I've been to London. I've been to uh, the big city. Oh, that's what quite, that, I got quite giddy. That explains it. Then you're yeah. still you're still all excited at the electric light and moving staircases on the underground. <laughs> that's right. I, I, I didn't have a train. I didn't have a. Uh, uh, a senior citizen's train pass, though, un- unlike yeah, un- unlike Mother Arf. Oh my lord! I really hope she doesn't listen to this pod, and it's a birthday special as well. This is shocking. <laughs> um, I, Rochdale supporters to us, we we would love to talk to you. Uh, I know you've been in, you have been in touch with with Guy. We would happily talk to you if you absolutely promise not to start uh, naming names because uh, old producer guys worried that he might have to spend 0.01% of his finances on our silver-tongued friends in case we accidentally slander someone. So, yeah, we, this is a situation that this has been simmering for a while and it is very similar to the Swindon situation. And for the love of God, let's hope it can be sorted out without three years of the bad people taking over the club as happened at, at Swindon. Um, are you sure you're okay now? You'll take a deep breath. I, I'm, I'm rocking and rolling, Kevin. Rocking right. and rolling. If, if I didn't know you better, I think you'd had a drink. Oh no, there's no chance of that. Happening. That's what I'm. That's what I know. You haven't, you haven't been close to somebody. To, no one's been breathing out on you. Have they? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not mature enough to drink, Kevin. Actually, yeah, probably for the best. Um, there's another war of words in the northwest, Kieran. Uh, this time between Jurgen Klopp and Pep Guardiola, with the Liverpool boss quite clearly implying that Man City seem to be following different financial rules. Yes. Now, it's difficult to work out here whether this is a criticism of Manchester City and Chelsea Mm. or a veiled criticism of Liverpool's own owners Ah, from Jurgen Klopp. So uh, he was saying that uh, City and Chelsea operate effectively by their own rules because of the nature of the ownership, Mm. which which I still find a bit strange because Manchester United have spent more this summer Mm. than Manchester City. And yet yet they seem to get a free pass 
from uh, Jurgen Klopp to a degree, although I, I think he had a little bit of a dig of them as well. Um, the the transfer market is mainly in a period of stagnation. It's uh, it, it normally it it needs the lubricant of a, of a few mid-sized deals going through, and we're not seeing many of those. But clearly, uh, Manchester City signing Jack Grealish for £100 million, followed only a few days later by Romelu Lukaku joining Chelsea for 97.5, which which didn't get, you know, fra- it only got a fraction of the attention, um, seems to have irritated him. And uh, he's, he's trying to make out that that Liverpool are, you know, somehow disadvantaged. But, you know, if, if you want to be disadvantaged in the Premier League, then, you know, take a look at, at Brentford, who've got a, a 17,000 capacity stadium, who have not spent a lot of money, who, who have a wage bill, which, you know, last season was, was around about a tenth of that of Liverpool's. Um, and, and you don't see you don't see them moaning. And one of the things which concerns me, in the Premier League, is that we now have a quiet acceptance that the Premier League can only be won by three or four clubs maximum at the start of each season. Mm. And and you and I, Kevin, we're, we're both old enough to remember Derby County, Nottingham Forest, Aston Villa, Everton, Leeds United, Blackburn Rovers. Uh, you know, all of these clubs, they, they won the Premier League or the, you know, the top division. Um and they did so and at the start of each season. There was always you know, a, a big handful of clubs who say, well, yeah, if they, if they keep free of injuries, they've got some good players coming through. And I, I, I don't quite, re- quite work out when we all changed our attitudes to assume that a good season for, for our clubs is if we finish 12th. Mm. Or, you know, it, it, why, why should we have no... Uh, why should we have no ambition? Uh, it, and the reason for that is is simply down to money. I, I did some uh, I, I did some spreadsheet analysis following his comments, and it, it turns out that of the the twenty nine Premier League club winners, um, on twenty three occasions they had the the highest or the second highest wage bill. So you know the likes of Chelsea and Manchester City. It's not new. It, it's been in the Premier League since day one. If you've got more money, you're going to win things. And you know, it just so happens that at this stage, those clubs have quite a bit of money. Yeah, I heard you uh, explaining those numbers to your new best friend this week, Colin Murray, on Five Live. <laughs> Last week, it was Gavin Cryptocurrency who was your new best friend. And this week, it's Colin Murray this and Colin Murray that. And Colin Murray is so clever. Have you done Colin Murray? Show? Yeah. <laughs> he likes you. He likes you, doesn't he, Colin Murray? Um, That's because I'm free. <laughs> as in, as in cheap or available, um, or both. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, and of course, I'm on about to say that uh, the Baroness won't remember Derby, Nottingham Forest, etc., winning the league because she's too young, Kieran. Remember. <laughs> yes. um, now, I, I like this story, Kieran. The, the world's oldest football club, Sheffield FC. Uh, will be appearing live on the BBC when their FA Cup preliminary game with Sherwood Colliery will be shown behind the red button in a couple of weeks' time. Presumably, this will be their biggest payday since the club was formed in, in 1857. 
Uh, yes, it will. They they will be entitled to a fee uh, as, as part of the the football association's uh, distribution network. So the, the 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 way that it works is that uh, the, the the TV fee is split. We are we're only talking you know, tens of thousands, but tens of thousands to a small club mm. uh, can make a difference. Um, the winners will also get prize money, as will the losers at this particular stage. Um, and for anybody who has not seen non-league football, has not been to a match, um, I'd really encourage them to just just give it give it a try. It's it's different. You you can you can sit there having a chat to a complete stranger. You can be having a drink whilst you're watching the match while standing, and um, there's always a fair chance at matches at this level that you'll get proper reminiscences of what we grew up with in terms of football, where somebody will take take another player out and then you'll see one of them offering to have a word in the car park after. And it's and it's that type of romance that I really miss. You know, football has become very sanitised. Kieran, I'm surprised that you've been out of London too long. Talking to complete strangers, Kieran, what's the matter with you? <laughs> the, the appropriate response for a Londoner when a complete stranger starts talking is, what's he want? Uh, <laughs> But this is great news for Sheffield FC. It's great news as well for Sherwood Colliery. So I'd be, I'd love to hear from both supporters of both those teams. I also love the fact that Sheffield FC Stadium is called the home of football stadium, which is brilliant. Um, but uh, so that's, that's a two fingers to the rest of the world, isn't it? Take that, Juventus, Barcelona. Um, and, but the other end of the scale, our final story, Kieran, because uh, we're keeping the pod short because you've got a birthday to attend to and a wedding anniversary as well. Oh, did you get married on your? Oh, never mind. I, I got I got married. I got married the day before uh, the Baroness's birthday because I said, "Wouldn't it be fantastic for you to get married and wake up the following day next to a toy boy?" <laughs> yeah, I think your chat up technique needs some work here, and you know that really, <laughs> <laughs> really do. Um, but at least, at least you know it's nice to have two crosses on the the, the wall chart, and that knowing yes. that something's going on. Um, the other end of the scale from Sheffield FC, yeah, I hope you've got her a good present. The, the BBC are reporting that PSG uh, are seeking to sign Paul Pogba on a free transfer uh, and a wage of £500,000 a week. Is that possible? Y- yes, it is, because from PSG's perspective, uh, and we, we, just, we I think we mentioned this broadly in line with the acquisition of Messi last week, mm. it, you know, Paul Pogba... Uh, at his age, he could sign a five-year contract, and and the club looks at the total cost to them over the life of the contract. Now that total cost is wages plus, of course, our very good old friend amortization. Mm. Now, if you're signing him on a free, then you don't have that amortization cost, which allows you to therefore spend more money on the wages. Manchester United did this themselves when uh, Ibrahimovic came to Old Trafford. You know, they, 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 they got him on a free, which allowed them to offer him a very good package. And I think what players are now doing, especially as they reach the last two years of their contract, is they, they're saying to themselves, or you know, sometimes, it's the man, sometimes it's their agent whispering in their ear, this could be a spectacular payday. They're going to retire as multimillionaires anyway. But if they want to max out... Um, in terms of their earnings, then they will sit on their contract, wait for it to to expire, 
and uh, they will have an even bigger payday and, and more remuneration. Yeah, we saw Aaron Ramsey do the same mm. uh, with, with Arsenal uh, when he went to Juve. Now, we will be back on Monday with our questions pod, as usual. And as usual, if you have a query about any aspect of football finance, then email us on questions at priceoffootball.com. And if you'd like to make a small contribution to our always free-to-air pod, then please go to patreon.com forward slash priceoffootball. Um, I'm not going to ask Kieran to do his uh, normal farewell this week because he hasn't got time. He's got flowers to buy, uh, poems to write. Uh, but if you'll indulge me, I would like to dedicate this episode to uh, a dear friend of mine who uh, we lost yesterday, um, comedian Sean Locke, who was a Chelsea season ticket holder. Uh, comedy and football have lost one of the best. But more importantly, on a much happier note, happy birthday to the Baroness. We love you. 45 tomorrow. Wonderful. Thank you very much. And all the best to everybody connected with Sean Locke. I'm sure they're missing him terribly. Bye, son, for the fall.